Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Studios, it's the Press Box Summer Edition. Yeah, old lady! Ed Grady. I'm not surprised the only women you see naked are in magazines. Tyler Bischoff. Again, this is really not my field. On ESPN Las Vegas. Here we go. Welcome back. The Monday ESPN 1100, 100.9 FM. Oh, what a show we've got today. Ed Graney, Willie Ramirez, Jared running the show. Back in action. Hey, buddy. This is a... This is a <laughs> I didn't know the opening was up. I had to be pointed out by Jared like we're, we're on the air. This is a reunion that Las Vegas has obviously been waiting for. Oh, yeah. They've been waiting for it, all right. They, they, I think they, they love to hear the, or they love to see the stuff online, the Twitter, the, the different social media, the two old guys, if you will. Get off my lawn, Eddie G and Pops. Yeah, get off my lawn. And here you, we are. This is uh this is not early for you. No, this, this is, is it's almost. Lunchtime. We were making, we were making that joke that this is like lunchtime for him. This yeah. is, this is, yeah, middle of the day. So, so I've been up. Um, first awakening was around two, but I didn't necessarily get up. It just was, just got up, but, uh, I finally got up and rolling, walking around, getting, getting things in order around the house. I was going to go to the gym nearby. And then I said, you know what? This is a perfect opportunity. I, I, I don't get to drive into town to work at work out at perfect as much as, you know, I'd like You'd to. You'd like to. Because it's so far, but I figured that, so I left my house at like five and I got there at 5:22. So it was a 22-minute drive, like where there's no, there's no having to break and go, break and go on the freeways. So I got a nice lift in at the perfect yeah, sure. gym. Yeah, I got a nice lift in when I ate the banana. I went into <laughs> went in, lift. washed up because you know Jordan has the uh, my son. He has the uh, the uh, the bathroom set. Like the, the only thing missing is a bathroom attendant. Like if you were to walk into a fine restaurant, it's got all the toilet, everything. He's got it all set up Vincent. in there with, with all kinds of <laughs> all kinds of stuff there. So it's like you know very personalized. So yeah, I um, cleaned up, changed. Now you're here. And now I'm here, ready to go. And then by the time, like Jared said, by the time I get off, like it'll be afternoon for me. Yeah, it'll be time for me to go to bed. Yeah, yeah, I go nice. home and take the nap before I do the Peloton. The first bite. Should Richie Incognito have retired as a Raider? Okay, you were there on Friday. Tyler and I like to say this all the time. Breaking news happens, tw- you know, uh, two different times. When we're on vacation or at 9.59 every morning. So on Friday and Thursday, it says there's a Raider who's going to retire a Raider uh, tomorrow. Uh, some people figured it out who it was. It was Richie Incognito. He went in and retired as a Raider. Uh, feel bad in a sense that, you know, what it was at Willie last two years, couple games he played, all the injuries uh, piled up. But there's more to Richie Incognito than this. Uh, I'll get your thoughts right away. Uh, well, I don't think either of us were retired. Neither of us were surprised he retired. He just can't go anymore at his age with those injuries. Let me ask you this. Um, when we got that text, the, 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 the group text we got in the media, and then, okay, so you got to be. Who would you. Did you. Was that your I had first? No idea. That was my first guess. Okay, I had no idea. With Josh, like Josh Dubow, um, who's on vacation until everything gets going. You know, longtime Raider beat writer, and of course he oversees, makes sure he's been on it so long, and sort of 
holds my hand through through the first couple of years here, if you will. But we were going back and forth in, in a sense of like, hey, this is taking place tomorrow. Should I go out there? He said, if you go out there, right. If you don't want to go out there, it doesn't matter. You could, we could, it'll be a brief, but uh, so on and so forth. And then very first name I sent to him was Richie Incognito, right? And uh, he goes, you know what? That makes sense. So we we kind of figured it out. Um, I, here's the thing. People are like, should he have retired as a Raider? You know, 17 years real, in reality, 15 on the field. Cause he had a couple, yeah, two he, years. He just, yeah. So 15 no. years, <laughs> 15 years on the field. Um, but if you look at everything that he's been through or that he self-inflicted, also, yes. with his mouth and his yes. actions, not not that anybody that he's responsible for his own actions. Absolutely, the one team which and this is everything that like sort of I tried to think ahead why and it was like he's never really been questioned about his character and I think he reached an age where he's not going to behave in a certain manner. He's just gonna he's still going to be as he put it in the press conference and as Mark Davis told Zavard, he wants to be remembered as a badass. So I think that he still could be that. But only on the field, not in the locker room. And I think the one team that embraced him finally was the Raiders. He had tumultuous situations with every team he's been with. So where else would he retire as? Yeah, yeah. and I remember Mike Mayock at the time saying, we can't have all Boy Scouts because kind of the chaotic existence Richie has had ex- had lived for a while, you know, uh, like you said, all the tumultuous things that happened in his life. When he came here, though, they got people around him, I think, that really settled him down and got him back into just the football mode. And I agree with you. If there's any team that kind of did the best for him, even though it was a short-lived stint, it was the Raiders. Um, you, I know, have uh, you tweet about it. You take it very seriously in terms of mental health issues and trying to help people out all the time. Yeah. Uh, when you look back on his career, do you do you agree that the Raiders were kind of the team that kind of helped? I don't want to say calm that down, but give him an outlet that maybe was just football and they could maybe, you know, have people around him that, you know, helped him in that manner. Yeah. And I think, you know, and that's the important thing to remember when you when people say mental health issues is that, you know, you always think of depression or you think of, you know, seclusion or, or isolation and, and, and they're sort of just kind of cowering into your own existence to get away from your own life. Mental health issues can you know, can sort of reflect different images of somebody's lifestyle. And with Richie Incognito, I think it was more of a tyrannical manner in where he had some mental health issues. And whether or not his character flaws as to where his mindset was, bullying people, making racist remarks, whatever it may be. And I'm not making excuses for those, by the way. No, you've what already said that these were individual choices. Yeah, these are, these are mental health issues that he had to deal with. And yes, I believe that... When they sat him down and they said, okay, here's what we want from you. Here's what you're going to – and, you know, like Mark Davis said, he was like, well, that's what being a Raider is all about. Part of that is being a badass on the field. I mean, we have a bunch of badasses right now. So, I mean, being that person that he wants to be and and sort of not having to hold his tongue and, and speak the way he wants to speak from a football standpoint – was embraced, and they allowed him to finish his career being the player he always wanted to be. If he could have had that for 15 years, I think he would. there's some changes he would have made. I think he learned some lessons along the way. I was one that asked him, hey, you've had every step of the way, but there's been some staggered steps, obviously controversial ones, at times on your part. What did you learn from that? And he said, yeah, absolutely. You learn lessons. You know, if there's things that I could take from here and there. So... Um, 
I do think that the Raiders were somewhat of a salve that put put on whatever mental wounds he was going through because we all go through something, and no matter how you lash out at others or treat others, it stems from something. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So, so it's like one of those. It's like one of those. Like you know, in general, people always something happens, you lash out or joke jokingly. Something like, "Geez, who hurt you?" You know, somewhere down the line, someone caused Richie Incognito to to think the way that he does. So he. That's why he is the way that he – or he was the way that he was. I think the Raiders did change that in a certain manner because he was, he kept looking over at the offensive line, kept looking over at Mark Davis while he was talking to us. I mean, we'd ask a question. I was on his far left, and to answer the question, he's looking at them. He kept using the word brotherhood and these guys and my brothers, these young guys. So it meant something to him. It meant something for them to be in that room. Yeah, they, they were all there supporting that him, was which huge. is a big deal. Yeah. All right, uh, rookies report today. Camp officially begins Thursday. Veterans are in the house on Wednesday, so we'll see if everyone shows up. I thought Adam Hill and the RJ did a good job over the weekend. He uh, put out some storylines to look at at camp. We're beating this to a, we're beating the uh, dead horse here with Alex Leatherwood and the offensive line. One he put out I wanted to ask you, which I thought was pretty interesting: uh, the Car Adams relationship and will they pick off pick up where they left off? I'm thinking, look. And Adams has said this. He said for the last, what, six, seven years other than one season, he and Carr worked out during the offseason. Right. He'd come back here. They've had OTAs. They've had minicamp. I'm sure they've been at some parks that nobody knows about throwing in town um, with little kids out there. I did see Carr out there taking pictures with little kid, a little kid the other day. It seemed to be at a local park. Um, I don't think, and correct me if I'm wrong, because of all that, I don't think the relationship in terms of quarterback to receiver is going to take that long. No. If they had not thrown with each other in like 10 years and Devontae Adams had just stayed in Green Bay the entire time, maybe there'd be some kind of connection there where they had to get back together. I mean, is it going to be the last year at Fresno State? I don't know about that because they were so in tune there, but I think they're going to kind of roll in and be fine when it comes to connections. I think it'll be every bit of the last your Fresno say I mean I I you know I I keep likening this to McDaniel's the Patriots the likes of Tom Brady having a stellar tight end whether it was Hernandez Gronkowski having Welker or um Edelman and then remember Randy Moss came in and all of a sudden the connection was there they didn't they never had a chemistry together but then all of a sudden Randy Moss you know is like a, br- a breath of fresh air into his career, you got Tom Brady. I think when you have these guys who, like you said, were, are, that worked in the offseason, which we all knew this, were college buddies, so they have a built-in chemistry that never died. They've talked about playing with one another. Um, you have a dynamic big three of the NFL in Waller, Renfro, and now Adams, and we don't know. We have no clue, obviously, because we couldn't see at OTAs. We couldn't see at mandatories. Who knows what we're going to see at camp? But who knows if he doesn't implement a double tight end set like we've seen at times with Moreau? We don't know. We have no clue. But the bottom line is, everything's going to be set up to connect or to reconnect Carr and Adams. And if it if the defense can catch on, then there's other targets. And I think that's why Cars is going to flourish. He has no more excuses, as I've been saying that for months now. Um, this is a great year for him. And I think he's going to thrive in it. But I think the Car Adams dynamic is certainly going to pick up. And and because I don't think that it's the thing is, I don't think it's ever fallen off. They just happen to be playing for other teams. And, you know, 
I think that coming together is going to be a fantastic thing for both of them. Will we be passing out out there? It's going to be about 110. I don't think there's any shade. And I'm hearing that the OTA uh, placement, not that anyone out there listening cares right now, but it's you and I and Jared, so we care right now. The placement is going to remain the same, which means we will be in 110. We'll be in 112. And I think Coach McDaniels enjoys that. I think he enjoys looking over to us, sweating, downing water with our little binoculars, trying to figure out what's happening across the field with Alex Leatherwood and whether he's starting or not. Is there any chance any who pa- of the media who yeah. passes out first? Let's oh. put it out there of the media who who, who goes down first. Well, I, I can't believe Jared's are Jared within two I'm seconds Jared already. Had a, oh, I was going to say if I'm allowed to attend, it's me. Okay. <laughs> we will get you on the list for parking. I I don't even want to be the guy that has to pinpoint that because then then and then all of a sudden I'm going to be the one that's already throwing the first shot at the media members. Yes, let's uh, throw it. Camp uh, opens. It's opening. Day. It's opening week of camp. I don't. I, I don't know. I, I. I mean, gosh, I love my guy Vic Tafer, but that dude loves Las Vegas. Who knows if he, if he, if he gets on, if he gets on a runner at the, at the, at the Jack or poker table the night before, and then it's and it goes longer than he expected because the chips are stacked, and then he comes out on a few hours sleep, and then he's got to down right. a bunch of. I'm surprised that McDaniel's just doesn't have a sitting over there at the at the Aces facility watching the construction. Yes, the construction go on. of the basketball yeah, courts. Yeah. We'd need some better binoculars. Because that facility's going up quick, and I just, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to expect. I do know one thing. Those guys come out there, you know, PG, Adam, they come out there with their, with those, you know, the t-shirts. Yeah, sure. Like like with the the, the nostalgic. Yeah, sure. I picked up five this past weekend. Did you? Oh, yeah. Five nostalgics. Oh, yeah. You're going to appreciate a couple of them. All right. We'll see him when we get out there. All right, when we come back, we'll continue with the Raiders. And also, what's your favorite football movie? Slightly right to left. Back and through, and he's made it. 20 under par, a fist pump to the crowd. Hat off a 64 on Championship Sunday. 30 on the back nine. The Australian gives a Sunday finish to remember at St. Andrews. All of the sun, none of the fun on the Press Box Summer Edition with Willie Ramirez. Cam Smith wins the Open. We'll talk about that at the top of the hour at 8 o'clock. What a, what a final round for that kid. Staying with football, though. Uh, interesting comments this morning, Willie, by Keyshawn Johnson about Derek Carr. I thought this was, uh, I thought this was interesting on the uh, show before. So we both heard it. We both heard it driving in. Yeah. Uh, and it's, I, I, I took the, the best parts of it. Um, and I tweeted this out it's near the top of my timeline. Um, I think the Raiders are because they were at they were talking about the AFC West and and Max Kellerman and asked Keyshawn, you know, it's one thing about the Chargers and the Chiefs. They they seem to be in their opinion. They were talking about the top of the AFC West. And he said, well, what about the Raiders and the Broncos? And Keyshawn said, I think the Raiders are a little bit better than the Broncos. I think Derek Carr is a little bit better than Russ Wilson. Later on, he said, I think Carr is underrated. He's always been one of my favorites since the Jack Del Rio days. So what he went on to say was just that he just feels that – I think there's a lot of fandom in there. So because he's always been supportive and loyal to Derek, it's, it's kind of like one of those soapboxes you're never going to jump off of. Right, right. Um, until they prove you wrong. And that he's always touted Derek Carr. But um, he just thinks that because, you know, Russ was put in a position in Seattle under Pete Carroll – they had some successful teams, but he's not convinced that it was all because of Russ. Whereas Derek Carr has been in difficult situations, but he's continued to prove and show, sort of shown a durability both mentally and 
with his numbers. If you look at his numbers since he came in the league, he realistically is one of the top statistically placed quarterbacks mm-hmm. among those who've come into the, you know, including Matthew Stafford. That was a big thing that Keyshawn sort of touched on last year going into the season. He kept comparing their numbers because of Stafford's contract moving over to the Rams. So he kept comparing, like, since 14, he's just the same, he, you know, in a lot of numbers. And as we know, he's one of the best fourth-quarter comeback guys. He's got some of the, the highest numbers there. But he feels he feels Carr's just as good mobily, feels that he can work on his leg, you know, work from the ground through the air. He thinks he has a stronger arm than Rush. Are we both going on a limb to think that Carr's going to have a monster year? No. I I don't think it's a limb. I I think that Ooh. it's I think it's finally expected. I think it, I think like I said before. See, here's the thing. I'm supportive of Derek Carr. You know, on the field, I'm not sure how much I believe a lot of the lip service he brings to us every Wednesday in the media room. I think that at times he's he can be a little overboard. I think he, he there's there's some fakeness. There's there. some yeah. There's some fakeness. There's some embellishment. But he's also being a pro. And he's being you know whatever. He, I'll tell you what. He can fill a quote sheet. He could definitely fill a quote sheet, and he definitely keeps our boy Cam Russo busy with the transcriptions. Yes, exactly. Um, those are the days they need to bring that ASAP uh, transcribing They need to do service. ASAP for Carr. Just for Carr. Yes. Just for Wednesdays. Yeah, because yeah. he talks so much. Yeah. Um, you ask him one question, and then it's like a, a, you know, a big answer. It's kind of like me when, when I used to be a guest, when you'd come on with you or, or Cofield in the afternoons. It was like, you normally get like five, six good questions. With me, you get two, three, because the answers would be really long. Now I've learned my lesson when I come on as a host and I'm waiting for the guest to go, okay, man, we got to get to the next question. Let's go. Um, but I just think that on the field, I like Derek Carr. I, I have respect for Derek Carr as a quarterback, and I think that he's been through a lot in where I think he he has a lot to prove, but not because for on him, on his own shoulders, like, like he has to prove it, but because he wants to prove it. And I think that he's fully capable of doing it. I think what he did last year was tremendous. I think what everybody in that organization did last year, based well, on the, the chaos that they had to put up with, was yes, ridiculous. Exactly. So that's why you know that's why I keep saying also though, no excuses this year, none. I mean, unless some there's some scandal we don't know about with Josh McDaniels, there there's there's no excuses. This is it's it's put up or shut up time. And I'm thinking that's why that's that team friendly contract he's playing on. When can you isolate your favorite all-time player? Right now. All right, let me hear it because I, I can. I, I'll, I'll start with mine, Jared. We need yours as well. Okay. My all-time favorite. It's, it's always been, and even though I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan since '76, my all-time. Oh, my all-time. We on the same player? No, my all-time favorite player is Walter Payton. Oh, okay. It's always All has right. been. Okay. Always has been. Because I have to go Troy Aikman. When you said the Dallas, we're both Dallas Cowboy fans. Yeah. And I have to go Troy Aikman for sure. Jared, it's going to be a chief. Um, um, actually, it was probably going to be Walter Payton. Really? Uh, but just for the interest of uh, being different, uh, man, let's go with, uh, man, skip me. You go first. Come back to me. Because, yeah, I'm trying to think of something. Because Walter Payton is just. Oh, mine's, mine's Troy Aikman. I mean, Walter Payton, literally, there were times where Ditka would get so mad at the quarterbacks. <laughs> he'd go, Walter, just play quarterback. <laughs> Like, Walter Payton literally ran in a trash dump because he was like, you understand, I would make this harder if I could. Dude was a... Monster. Yeah. One of the most incredible people, too. There's a yeah. reason the man of the year is named after him. So, yeah, that's 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 pretty good. Uh, 
This is really – I mean, I like Lynn Dawson, but I mostly like him as a commentator. If you actually go back and watch his yeah, games. Yeah, mine was Aikman, but the first one ever was the book report as a very, very young chap was uh, Roger Staubach. Of course. As the, as the book report. It's the first time I we really did, understood we football. Did. So, so when I sent this over, the, it's, I, 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 sent it, I sent my topics – as you see, very categorized, very organized. Yeah, you got to get the right email, though. Your top's okay. going in chunk. <laughs> All right. Nobody else, has, nobody else has that problem, but perhaps it's the paper of record you work for that filters out things with links. Because um, nobody else has that issue, so we'll just move on from that comment. Uh, but last week we did – I did, I sent over um, – Favorite all-time com- pass receiver combos, and mine automatically is Staubach Pearson. Staubach Pearson, automatic. I mean, I remember when Hail Mary was instituted with the with the Minnesota game in the Bloomington at the Met Center with the snow all around. I mean, it was fantastic. I liked Aikman Irvin. Maybe the the the, the off field uh, things brought it up to a a top tier. Uh, Were you you well? So that was the early '90s, and I was still sort of getting my feet wet with the Las Vegas Sentinel voice. You were the you know you were the studious sort of. You know, you were the college, the the prized student out there. Were you into the media by then? Just the college newspaper. So you were still in college? Yes. Oh, okay. Just the college newspaper. So, so you hadn't covered any Super Bowls yet? No, 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 no. Now, what about the Steeler Cowboys uh, one in 96? I mean, just watching it. Oh, you didn't cover that one? No. Not yet? No. Oh, okay. He was still doing an Irish accent at a bar Exactly. In I was trying to pick, pick cows with the... Hello. Yeah. <laughs> What's your you, name? You were, still, you were still hoping Bonnie was going to buy your stick. <laughs> I uh, no ninety six. No, I was. It was just about. It was just about the monster time. The monster. It was just about the monster time. Yeah. Sure. No. I. I see. That's just it. Is I stick to my seven. Like I loved obviously the Aikman Smith days. I never got to go to NFL games. I never got to go to NFL games. Never got to go to baseball games. But even when I lived in Minnesota, I've told this story. I think I told it last week to JVT. Um, my stepdad had got tickets from where he worked to go to the Vikings Cowboys Monday night game in the Metrodome where Tony Dorsett ran 99 and a half yards. Didn't take me. I was pissed. <laughs> he got tickets and wow. didn't take you? Yeah, he went with like some people like people that he worked with. Really? Yeah, I was very upset. I still hold the resentment. It's kind of a nightmare. I couldn't wait like I couldn't wait to go to like I told told Would that story. have been your first NFL game? Oh yeah. Oh man! No, 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 no! I'm sorry, it wouldn't have. It would have been my second. And the reason why is when we moved to Florida, I befriended a kid in the neighborhood where we lived, and his father was the defensive or linebackers coach, somebody for the Dolphins, Steve Crosby, and the kid, and the and the and so I got the tickets. I took my stepdad to the Dolphins game. We went to the Orange Bowl. It was and against he, the Baltimore Colts, and he didn't turn around. And he didn't, he didn't reciprocate in Minnesota to take me to see wow. my favorite player, favorite team, and then Tony Dorsett rips off a nine and a half yard. Were you watching but, it? Of course. That was the how Christmas you've been. I was so I was young, and Mama Miriam, man, I could not stay up late. Like you know, and when you're moving, when I lived in Florida in Minnesota, the times were different. Sure. It wasn't Pacific. Oh, it was so later. The only times I could stay up late is if the Cowboys were playing on Monday Night Football. wasn't allowed to watch Monday Night Football. I was allowed to watch it, but then, you know, certain time, bedtime. All right. I'm with you. But Walter Payton, always. Yes. Sweetness. Hall of Fame. Had to go take a picture next to the wax. He was at a UNLV run a Rebel game. I still have that picture. I I didn't care. The, credential or not, I had to sit at the baseline and get a picture of Walter Payton. Pops Ramirez, Jared, Walter Payton, myself, Troy Aikman. When we come back, <laughs> let's switch it up to hockey. Benjamin Goats on the way. Did you buy the house that you were renting? Uh, no, I didn't, but, um, I think it was just a rental property. They weren't going to sell it to me, but, um, 
it's just been such a great experience for me being able to play here for the last five years. I couldn't be happier. Um, you know, there's not too many words that, that I can say to really show how happy I am to be able to, to extend um, my career playing here and, and hopefully finish it here. You're listening to the Press Box Summer Edition with Willie Ramirez. Here we go. That was Riley Smith coming back. He's in the fold for three more years. Five million a year. Well, and he's was, got some kind of softball game tonight. It was, it was also Battle Leon coming back with, with the... You know, this is the only show where where the producer get, throws my name, does the, the Leon sound with my name. Yeah. Well, Jared's on top of things. He knows I'm who's on, in the studio. Well, the sound's in the system. I just, I, I'm on Cofield. They don't do that. No, it's just let's Cofield go. Let's go. We go laugh. You know, yeah, go berserk afternoon. Everybody's, you know, we're crazy. Yeah, we've had like like everybody's had like seven, eight cokes or coffees or something, so we're all fired up. I'm fired up because I get to talk to my guy, Benjamin Goats. Well, why Cocaine wouldn't you follow him on Twitter at Ben S. Goats? He's your intrepid and talented Golden Knights beat writer for the Reed Journal. All right, you played hockey as a kid. You've got nephews and cousins, I don't know, at top college programs around the country. I have no idea who they are, but they're some kind of related to you. Will you be the one scoring for the Knights next year? Because I don't think anyone else can. Someone's got to. Uh, I don't think it's a very good sign for them if it's me. I don't know uh, the last time I busted out my slapper from the blue line, but given its lack of uh, success in the Minnesota Youth League, I don't know if the Knights uh, want me just blasting ankles in front of the net uh, with my aim heading into next year. Uh, somehow I think I would hurt the team more than I could help them with that, and they do need a lot of help putting the puck in the net right now. They've let a lot of goals. Uh, go this offseason. I think that was already going to be a question for us moving into next year. So they got a lot of work to do to get the offense where it probably is going to need to be for them to make a deep run. Well, you talk about letting in goals, or I mean, talk about the end of last season, Ben. And and I want to start right there with the goaltenders situation because I'm I'm re, I'm hearing podcasts I'm listening to Kelly McCrimmon talk you know Cassidy's in DeBoer's gone Leonard's had surgery on the shoulder and and of course McCrimmon says you know and he also had another issue we know what Saravelli tweeted out during the season Brassois sound, sounds like he's not going to be ready I personally think Logan Thompson deserves a shot. Um, what are your thoughts? I mean, I, I don't want to know what you think they're going to do. I want to know what you think they should do. Well, I want to get a look at Robin Leonard in this Bruce Cassidy system. I don't know when that's going to be. I don't know if it's going to take time for him to adjust, given that, you know, as you mentioned there, Kelly McCrimmon was noncommittal as to whether Leonard will, A, be ready for the start of camp, and B, be ready for the start of the regular season, which I think could be an issue for both those goalies, Laurent Brassois and Robin Leonard, because they're playing in front of an entirely new style of defense here in terms of Bruce Cassidy likes to play his own system in the defensive zone. So that's going to take some adjusting for them. And that, of course, acclimation period might get pushed back if they don't start the season on time or especially camp on time. But I do think eventually, once Leonard gets it, this system will be very beneficial to him. We saw what he looked like when he played in kind of a very tight-checking, layered defensive system with the New York Islanders. He was a Vesna Trophy finalist. I think this kind of you know dedicated uh, system really helps how he plays the game if he knows how to read out where the play is going and he can get his body in the way of the shot. Obviously, he's got that huge frame. 
uh, he could be extremely successful. And so I do think this would help him a lot more than even last year when he was playing. And he had some good stretches last year, but was a little inconsistent and obviously hurt a lot. But a lot of times that was the nice pushing for offense and giving up odd man rushes the other way and not playing structured or necessarily disciplined defensively. And he's not the type of goaltender uh, because he is a bigger guy and not the most athletic guy in the world. Uh, that doesn't play to his strength. Uh, I think this Bruce Cassidy system will. So I'm interested to see how he looks in it once he gets settled in. Um, and as you mentioned, I'm curious whether you know this opens the door uh, for Logan Thompson, both in training camp and potentially the start of the regular season, to kind of cement his NHL roster spot early on that he deserves to stick and get games and help this team uh, win games. And it'll be an interesting stretch for him because the Knights don't exactly open up with the easiest schedule. They start in L.A., they go on the road to Calgary early, who obviously just lost Johnny Gaudreau, but if they keep Matthew Kachuk, they'll still be a very dangerous team. So if Logan Thompson plays well to start the season, even though I believe he is still waivers exempt and can be sent to Henderson without another team getting the opportunity to claim him, I think there's a solid chance that he sticks on the NHL roster for at least a little bit and gets a chance to keep playing games for the Golden Knights, potentially behind Robin Leonard, once Leonard is able to get healthy and get back in the net in a game setting. Um, I don't know if anyone was surprised at Pacioretty only because they had to dump some salary. Maybe some people were. There were other names out there that maybe it was not going to be Pacioretty, but maybe another name. Uh, you surprised it was that name, and I'll go back to my original thought. Uh, you know the Cassidy system. Uh, should it be a concern for Golden Knights fans or who, who, who's going to score in this team? Uh, and how much pressure does this put on Jack Eichel? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously not a tremendous surprise to me that it was Pacioretty just because there have been obviously whispers the last couple off-seasons that he would be a guy that they would be open to moving. I think it makes more sense uh, to move him than I think a guy like William Carlson was also in these rumors, but he was under contract much longer term. He's a top-six center. No matter whether he ends up playing top-six center for this team next year, you just don't give those guys away because they don't grow on trees. Um, the other guy that I think was you know, in the rumors a lot was Alec Martinez, who I do think they could have potentially worked around in terms of shuffling the blue line a little bit. Maybe you move Shea Theodore over to the left side, bump Zach Whitecloud up to Shea Theodore's spot on that second pair on the right side. But clearly they must have felt that either, A, they were going to have to give up uh, something to get off the remaining two years of Alec Martinez's deal. Obviously you would be selling low on a guy who was coming off uh, – Two really good seasons for the Knights was really critical to that team's success and then obviously suffered a freak injury last year that kept him out very long, so his worth was probably not commensurate from what the Knights are expecting from him next year. And obviously he's so important in the locker room that I'm sure they didn't want to remove another key guy like that any more than they had to. So I get why it was Pacioretty, um, but as you said, I do think this puts a lot of pressure on a lot of other guys to score. Specifically, as you said, Jack Eichel, they need to get probably 30 goals out of Jack Eichel's first fully healthy season with this team. And I think it puts a lot of pressure on Bruce Cassidy to come up with ways that this team is going to be able to score. Uh, number one is, of course, going to be the power play. The Knights left a lot of goals on the table the last couple of years by having a lackluster power play for the talent that was on this roster. Uh, Bruce Cassidy has had very successful power plays basically his entire time in Boston. 
he's going to need to get that clicking and producing almost right away because otherwise I don't think, especially with the way his teams have typically played, they'll be able to produce at a high enough level five-on-five in order for them to win enough games to you know be out ahead in the division race. They're going to need to be a good power play team, I believe, next year. Uh, Bruce Cassidy's first in order to get to where they want to go. The training camp is going to be very, very important for him to get his systems, philosophies, and ideas in right away because otherwise this team is going to have to win a lot of 2-1, to 3-2 to two hockey games early in the season. So I want to touch on real quick on Jack Eichel, and then I want to transition But um, to, to your point about having to get, have a 30-goal season. Number one, he's only had one 30-goal season his entire career, 36 goals in 68 games, 2019-20 season. He's never had more goals than assists until last season, which was only 34 games after he healed from the surgery. And, of course, Ben, you know this. You saw probably a lot of people replying to you during games or anytime you tweeted about him. It's like, this guy needs to score more! He scored 14 goals and 11 assists. First time in his career he had more goals and assists. If you look at the percentage of games he played to 82, like 34 games out of 82 is about 41%, he would have been on pace to have a 34-goal season. Would have been the second most in his career. So those of everybody out there clamoring that he needed to do more, he was on pace to have a pretty productive season if he would have played 82 games. That all being said, I think the one person that benefits or that will benefit with Cassidy coming in, Pacioretty going out, and Smith being re-signed is William Carlson. I think that this is his – this has to be for him because he's somewhat have had disappointing years. But I also think that this guy has been sort of pushed aside with all the shiny new toys that they brought in. He had a productive first season. He's not going to just come right back and have that. I get it. But I think it's a statement in keeping the misfit line together. And I think now that Carlson – I think Cassidy's going to find a way to use that line, not break it up, and I'm looking forward to seeing William Carlson have a big season. The Knights are going to need it from him. You know, I agree with you. I think the coaching change will help William Carlson a lot. I think he's a Bruce Cassidy kind of player, and I think more than anything else, what William Carlson probably needs entering camp and entering the season is just a jolt of confidence. I mean, we heard it at his kind of the postseason media availability with him, his confidence was not in a good place at the end of last season. And I think you could even see that in one of the key critical moments down the stretch where the Knights are in that long shootout with Dallas needing a critical extra point to kind of keep those flickering playoff hopes alive. And William Carlson, rather than going in on Jake Ottinger and trying some sort of forehand, backhand, deep move, uh, shoots a wrist shot from, I believe, about the hash mark. He did not try to, you know, do his between-the-legs goal that we saw in actual live game action, not even a shootout in San Jose. So I think that shows you what he was kind of thinking where his confidence level was at at that point. I'm guessing that a new coach like Bruce Cassidy, who's going to like what he brings to the player, is going to bring some of that confidence out in him. I think the fact that the front office is kind of now implicitly given the misfit line, the endorsement by bringing back Riley Smith, getting rid of Max Pacioretty, has to be a boost of confidence for William Carlson to have his two wingers with him again, getting another shot to kind of figure this out. Um, obviously, I don't think he's ever going to score 40-plus. Again, no one shoots 25% like he did that magical inaugural season. But if this team can get him back to like 18 to 20, like I said, everyone's going to need to raise their level at least a little bit next year. 
in order for this team to have the success that it wants to have. And William Carlson is a very key figure in that because he did not kind of play up to his own standards uh, last season, even if, like I said, you remove the 40-goal expectation from him. But they need him to be around 18 of 20. And I do think a new coaching staff and maybe a fresh voice in his ear is going to go a long ways into getting him towards that. You do anything special on your vacation, my friend? I uh, I had a good time. I'll yeah. say that. I had a lovely tour of Minnesota yeah. uh, this past weekend uh, before a very big weekend, uh, this yeah. upcoming weekend. So I went to a Twins game, uh, toured one of Minnesota's many lakes. I don't know if you've heard it. There's about 10,000 of them. Yeah. So we picked a good one. And, uh, yeah, kicked back and relaxed a little bit uh, as my last free weekend and possibly ever. That's right. It's a big weekend for Ben. Let's give him a, let's give him a round of applause. There you go, buddy. Thank you very much. Your life will never change. You're in. You're, you're into it now. Follow him on Twitter at Ben S. Goats. He's the great beat writer for the Review Journal, uh, covering the Golden Knights. Good luck to you. I, well, you're joining a club this weekend. Tweet the registry out there, bud. Yeah, we need the registry. Tweet we need the to registry. Gifts. I'll hit you guys up. I appreciate it. Take care of yourself, Benny. Ben, ben. going down the aisle. Oh, jeez. Nicest guy in the media. <laughs> nice mean, guy in the media. Poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll be back after this. In basketball, there are fans that you go play away that they can literally take the game from you. You can feel like, damn, the fans is not going to let us win this one tonight. Yes, I mean, I mean, what places? I mean, Boston. Boston, yeah. Why, why do you why do you hate Boston? Because <laughs> they racist as That's yeah, they why. Nasty. They will say nasty. they will say anything, and it's fine. I mean, like it's my life. I mean, I've been dealing with it my whole life. I don't mind it. Like I hear it. Like if I hear somebody like close by, I check them real quick. I move on to the game. Whatever. They're gonna say whatever they want to say. They might throw something on you. I mean, I got a beer thrown on me leaving the game. You know, like, Boston is, I was, yeah, Boston it's is. It's the only place in the NBA in America you go yeah. and they have, like, shirts that say, like, LeBron. Yeah, like, it was like, it was whole like a, section. It was like it was a like... LBJ t-shirt. <laughs> I believe they probably sold it at the team they, shop. No, they sold it outside the arena. No, they, they sold it at the team <laughs> shop. Oh, yeah, I'm just had something to do with it. Back to the Press Box Summer Edition with Willie Ramirez. LeBron coming back. Not a fan of, uh. Boston fans says they're racist as bleep. Well, there are a lot of bleeps in there. LeBron's not your goat. He's not my goat on the court. Never will be. I don't care how many statistics he breaks. He just he just won't be. And it has nothing to do with him. Should I guess? Right. Or is it easy? No, it's easy. Okay. All right. Of course it is. Kareem. Oh, all right. You went you went different on me. All right. I thought it was the other guy. It is the other guy. <laughs> Jared's just throwing a, a little wrench in there. <laughs> no, I I mean I'm always gonna say MJ. Just I mean it's just I, I just and it has nothing to do with LeBron. Like people like I get tired of the people that defend LeBron in saying when you say no, it's MJ. They go, you're a hater. No, I'm not. I don't hate LeBron. I'm a Kobe guy of of all people, yeah. and I grew up watching Showtime. Right. Yeah. I'm a Magic. I think Magic's the greatest Laker of all time, but I'm a Kobe guy. You know why? I mean, I watched him in – I've said this story I don't know how many times on both shows. This is a guy that I covered as a junior in high school. First national byline was about Kobe leading the story about Kobe going from high school to pros. It was the first national account of that. There was no internet. It was USA Today. You know what I mean? On a Monday when everyone was racing to read national high school news on right. a Monday. Peter right. Brewington was the editor back then. So Kobe's my guy, but – LeBron just I just I just Michael Jordan's the GOAT, period. Now, I will say this off the court, 
I think LeBron James is the GOAT. We, we, we don't hear problems with LeBron. We don't have infidelity with LeBron. We don't have him getting in fights. We don't have, there's no legal issues with LeBron. There's no gambling issues. What, what do we talk about with LeBron? His schools in Ohio. Yep. His community he's done outreach, for kids. His community outreach, outreach. All he's done for kids. His family. Yep. Being on the sidelines Bronny. with his brawny, his wife, his family. He went to the Drew League yesterday. I mean, you know how much money that, I mean, I, some people say, oh, you shouldn't go out there. You're not going to get injured. You don't think that these guys are working out? And yeah, calling you don't think the, they play? They go to UCLA and play all the time yeah. in, the, in, pro, in pro pickup games. Exactly. So I think LeBron off the court is the GOAT because he's had no issues. There's nothing ever that you could say. You cannot put – and my guy Kobe had some issues. Michael Jordan had some issues. Off the court, hands down, LeBron James has done a lot that people should look to. You know what I thought was weird really quick? Yeah. The Portland Trailblazers won the Summer League and they got rings. Yeah. But they didn't really size them. So some guys' rings were too big. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, well, you know, I don't think that they can. <laughs> is that like, is that nitpicking right now? They, you know what they'll do? They'll go get big chains and hang them from there. That's a great idea. That's Some what ice? I, I might sure, even, ice it out. Ice it out? Yeah. I might do that even if, like, it fit properly. I, you know what I still have? <laughs> you put it around your neck? I still have a ring that used to be too big, and now my I'm, I'm so fat that it doesn't fit, from a Cimarron Memorial High School State Championship that included Marcus Banks. Hank Girardi, the coach, he gave me because I covered that team. Gave you a ring? Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. I I've only that. got one ring. It's the fantasy football champion. Oh, it's nice. way too big. It just falls. So I, I got it. Well, I got it up got in the, the wedding ring. Show. Yeah, well, that's not coming off.